the nugget this, this evening. A person of excellence, a person of excellence keeps his word. A person of excellence keeps his word and will not compromise. A person of excellence keeps his word and will not compromise his principles. Putting it all together, a person of excellence keeps his word and will not compromise his principles. Amen. Glory to God. Well, as we are looking at uh, prayer in our government's history, uh, we're going to look at victory at uh, victory of Saratoga. Because of, because, pardon me, backwards. Her beautiful long hair was scalped off her head by the Indians after she was shot. This was the fate of Jane McCraig, whose lawyer's fiant, you know what I'm talking about. David Jones had only weeks earlier joined the British general, Gentleman Johnny, who in June of 1777 was marching with 7,000 troops from Canada to Albany, New York to recapture Fort Ticonderoga. They headed down the Hudson River Valley, making a treaty with the Mohawk tribe to terrorize American settlers. When the Indians returned to camp with the scalp of, of the beautiful long hair, David Jones instantly recognized it was his fiancés. The resulting outrage force, the, uh, the general of the British, uh, to tell the Indians to show some restraint, insulted the Indians left and left the British army stranded in the deep forest. Okay. Jane McCrane's death, later immortalized by James Fillmore, Cooper's novel, The Last of the Mohegans. So if you ever read Last of the Mohegans, you'll put that together. The Last of the Mohegans rallied Americans, causing the ranks to swell to more than 15,000. The British sent reinforcements, but they were prevented at the Battle of, uh, boy, some of these names back there, Oriskansky, O-R-I-S-K-A-N-Y, um, August 6, 1777, when a sudden downpour of rain drenched the primers, primer, primers in the muskets. So the British can't use their muskets. It's all wet. How are you going to fight a battle when, you, when your primers are shot? British ships were also hindered, as Yale's president, Ezra Stiles, explained on May 8, uh, 1783. To whom but the ruler of, of the wind shall we ascribe it that the British reinforcements of the summer of 1777 was delayed on the ocean three months by contrary winds until it was too late for them to um, aid General Clinton to raise uh, the uh, siege at Saratoga. At the Battle, Battle of Saratoga, October 7, 1777, General Benedict 
Arnold led a <laughs> valiant charge on the British flank, resulting in him being considered a hero of the battle. Shortly after, British General uh, Johnny surrendered his army of over 6,000 soldiers to the American uh, General Horatio Gates. When news reached King Louis XVI of France, he decided to join the American cause, uh, turning the revolution, revolution into a global war, stre stretching the British resources around the world, including the West, West Indies and Europe. Uh, Bergenois' surrender is considered a major turning point in the revolution and one of the most important battles in world history. Uh, artist John Timbrough's painting of the surrender of General Burgerine is in the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. General George Washington wrote his brother the day after the victory, I most devoutly con congratulate my country and he very well uh, wishes to the cause of this great sign, uh, signal of stroke of providence. The Continental Congress proclaimed the first National Day of Thanksgiving, November 1st, 1777 that with one heart and one voice, the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts, join the penitence confessions of the magnitude, magnifold sins, that it may please God, through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, and under the provincial of God's Almighty God, to secure for these United States the greatness of all human blessings, independence, and peace. North Carolina uh, Governor Richard Caswell proclaimed on November 14, 1777, whereas I have received authenticated intelligence that General Burgoyne and the whole army under his command surrendered themselves as prisoners of war to General Gates, I have appointed a day of thanksgiving and strict in, strictly enjoined ministers and preachers of the gospel to embrace this opportunity of testifying in the most solemn manner these uh, sentiments of the gratitude which uh, the happy event so justly demands. Signer of the Declara Declaration, Roger Sherman, explained, this is the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. So there's quite a few things that happened to the, the British when they were fighting us. Wrong cannonballs, ships get, get lost at sea for three months. Cannonballs, when they fire, they fire, what, shot into the mud and didn't explode. I mean, that's, it's, it's, them are some wild things. Miraculous. Okay. Uh, we'll turn in the word to 1 Kings to begin with. In 1 Kings, and find the 18th chapter. Um, Father, we praise you. We just give thanks, Lord, as we look to your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, that our eyes, our understanding may be open, Father God. And, Father God, we will reap, Father God, a harvest of revelation that you give each and every one of us as individuals. In Jesus' name, amen. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there seems to be an uh, occurring situation that happens to the followers of God. Unfortunately, this is an indictment against the people of God. Uh, Elijah put it bluntly before the people of God in the Old Testament. So 1 Kings chapter 18, looking at verse 20. Wait a minute, do I got 1 Kings? Or maybe 18, 20. 
Well, I, I hit the wrong one. Is it second? Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it is second Kings. 18. It's where he says how long you should be halt between two opinions. 21. 21. Okay. Thank you. It's a typist I have. Okay. Okay, 20, verse 21. 18:21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long shall ye, how long halt thou between two opinions? In other words, hey, what's wrong with you guys? Uh, and in the New Testament, James puts it this way. And, and, James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable and on his way. So um, it happened in the Old Testament. We've got believers, followers of God. We, they sway one side or the other. And in, in the New Testament, now we see that James tells us that if we're going to be swaying like that, we're going to be, we are double-minded. So in the book of uh, Psalms, Psalms 119, We read this. We looked at this uh, verse last week, I think. Psalms 119, verse 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So God's word is settled in heaven. And then in and for the New Testament, uh, we find that it almost says the same thing. But we find it in 2 Timothy chapter that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm really doing good tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So, as believers, we have to understand that, uh, that the, the Word of God needs to be our final authority. Uh, we can't deviate from it as they did in the Old Testament or as we do today. You know, I'm not too sure about that. If, you know, uh, if we're not searching the Scriptures, going back to Acts 17, 11, if we're not searching the Scriptures, we can become double-minded because you hear one thing from one person or, or a individual or even a TV program. If you watch you know, any Christian TV, sometimes you, you turn the channel, you hear one thing, and then the very next program, the person's talking against it. So you don't know. So we have to know what, what the Word of God is telling us. We can't be double-minded on, our, on ourselves. So that's why... Um, Acts 17.21 is very good for us. 17.11, pardon me. Okay. So we must find ways to make adjustments to secure our walk with God. We have to, what are some of the ways that we can make adjustments um, to secure our walk with God? And if you're looking for a title, I have two titles. How to be a believer and not a doubter. Or... Believer versus doubter. So, you know, they're the same. So that's what we're going to do. First thing we need to do is go, let's go to 2 
Corinthians chapter 5. First thing we have to do, or one of the things we have to do, I'm not saying for one, we have to do this one. First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, from the Amplified, it says, We walk by faith. We regulate our lives and conduct, conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relation with God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk, not by sight or appearance. So the, one of the first things we need to know is that we have to walk by, by faith, okay? Not by sight. And uh, just backing up a little bit to the book of Romans, uh, this will kind of close this. I think it closes it pretty good. Uh, talks about Abraham. Um, in the Abraham chapter 4 of Romans, Being in verse 16, that's uh, Romans 4, 16. Therefore, is it not of faith that ye might be of grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but also that which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So we have to walk by faith and need to, we need to call things as be, uh, be not as though they were. Uh, and this falls under the principle of, of Romans 12, 1 and 2. We need to be transformed or be transformed by the word of God. In other words, find out what God's word says. And if, if we're not abiding by that word, we need to make the correction and follow it. Um, It's like the missiles they shoot up, you know. If they're shooting it up, and all of a sudden they see that, hey, this is, this is the wrong direction. Thank you. That's, that's where, if it's the wrong way, they, have to, they kind of spin something, and they move it a degree or two to make it go in the right, right path. I, I find that quite interesting. When they, we shot one up, and they shot another missile up, and uh, it blew it out of the sky. I mean... Thousands of miles away, we, we knocked that thing out. So uh, this is what, what the Word of God does. When we have a wrong information and we find out the right information, God's Word comes in and should blow that thing out of the water or out of our mind so we don't have to think about that any long, longer and we follow the right path. Okay. Okay. So we need to be transformed by the renew, renewing of, the, of our mind by the things of God. And then Ephesians... Chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 10, it's Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised, uncircumcision, by that which was called the circumcised in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So 
since we, we have been changed, our hearts have been changed, we now have hope. We are now part of the, the seed of Abraham. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So without God's word, we are nothing. It says without God's word, they were, we were nothing. Uh, lost and doomed forever. So today as believers, we can't do this straddling of the fence. Well, the, I believe God says it this way, but you maybe can go over here. No, God has one way and one way, one way about it. We need to follow through on that. Um, there's too many of us that straddle a fence. Example, if I'm told not to go buy the donut shop, <laughs> And I happen to just drive by the donut shop and park my car, get out, and buy that donut. That's straddling. It's, to me, that's straddling the fence because I'm knowing, that, knowing not to do it, but I'm doing it. But I know I'm, I'm saved by grace, but I'm going to do this anyway. It's not doing me any good because I'm still going to fall short. It's still a sin. Because I'm not obedient to what I, what what's called to me, I don't know what what situation that uh, you may be uh, tested in, but don't don't follow the flesh. Okay, let's be a believer and not a doubter. Okay, uh, Romans chapter ten. We'll go to the second item. Uh, the first item, again, was uh, we need to walk by faith. Secondly, now here, if we go to Romans 10. Th these are ways that we need to make an adjust adjustment to secure our, our walk with the Lord. Um, Romans 10. Looking at verse 17, we all know it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we have to hear, the, hear God's word. Hearing God's word develops our faith. So, you know, we should be astute students of discipline. Follow the word. Read the word. And... Uh, I hate to say it, sometimes we don't. We, we get too busy. You know, I've, I've, got to, I've got to accomplish this before I do that. I'll, put that I'll, I'll get that at the end of the day. I hate to say that for myself. I'll get it at the end of the day. And I open my Bible. I'm laying in bed. I get about maybe two, three verses, and I'm gone. <laughs> My wife says, why don't you just fix it when you get up in the morning? You got your Bible already laying on you. Just pick it up and start reading it there. Uh, so uh, that's what I'm trying to do now. <laughs> get my Bible reading done there. At least I'm getting it. And so I think, well, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. You, things get complicated. That thing, you know, 
things get thrown in your way in the, in the middle of that. You, you, I mean, you have, have your day planner out, and you said that this, I've got to do this at this time, this time, this time, this time. I've got to be there, here, and there. And all of a sudden, you're driving down the street, and you get a flat tire, and you don't have one of those run flats. You've got to fix the tire. Or you've got to call AAA or whoever it is to fix your tire. So that moves your focus all, that throws your calendar all out of whack. So, you know, so I will say I read my Bible this morning. <laughs> so I will read it again tonight, but I will read it in the morning. I'll, it's better that way, at least for me. I don't know how about you. You know, um, God's word or God's will is his word and his word only. God's will is his word and his word only, okay? Uh, so let's turn to 1 John all the way back. We're looking at different ways to make an adjustment, as I have found out myself. Uh, 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14, 15. Verses 14, 15. And this is the confidence that... Whoa, that's a heavy growl. The whale must have jumped off the wall. <laughs> Verse 14. Chapter 5 of 1 John. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So we need to ask according to his will. Um, I hate to say, but sometimes we ask uh, things that are not quite of his will. We think it's good for ourselves, or we think it's good for somebody else, and we ask, and it, it, and it flies in, in uh, the face of God because it's not of his will. So if we know what the word says, we can pray his will in that situation and bring it to pass. So nothing less than, the, than his word and no compromises. Uh, God... If you do this thing for me, I promise that's a compromise. We need to be just plain obedient to what he calls us to do and trying to have him change. He's not going to change. His word is forever settled in heaven, so glory to God. Okay. Um, that was the second thing. That's... Now, the third thing, we need to do what the Word says. And we go back to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is something that we need to recognize that... Uh, God's call is calling, has called us something in this. He says, 
So we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. And, and a lot of people say, well, none is, none, there is none righteous, no, no not one. Or, or our righteousness as, as of filthy rags. That is what they say is true, but we don't, we're not in that position anymore. We've been, there's been an exchange. We were supposed to be on the cross and, and, and all that, but Jesus took our sins and put it on the cross with him. And he gave us his righteousness. So how can you say you're not righteous anymore? And this is something that a lot of Christians don't, don't go for. I remember um, in some classes people would argue, we're not, we're, you're not righteous uh, or, you know, all, the Bible says that you're, you know, all fall sh short of the glory of God. And that's true, but it's, there's been an exchange. Would you call Jesus not righteous? Then, no. Okay, he gave me his righteousness. You can't, we can't dispute that. But we have to know who we are. Okay, the third thing, or this third thing, we need to know who we are, that we are righteous. We must put away sin consciousness. And then we can come boldly through the to the throne room of God. Um, with sin consciousness, we become hopeless. Man, I, I did that, and you know, there, there's no chance for me to do that. How many people, how many Christians that you know that, that have blown it and said, you know, God is never going to take me back because I've done this. And they continue with this being hammered down by a past sin or a sin that they just, just maybe recently did and can't see themselves getting out of it. God's not going to set me free. Well, we've all got to come, come to realize that we are righteous. And when the devil pokes his finger and says, look at that guy down there. He's a dirty sinner. And Jesus says, no, he's not. He's covered by my blood. He's righteous or she's righteous. But until we get that, get that right thinking or get, get rid of the stinking thinking, we're going to be condemned all the time. We're going to just feel bad all the time. We're not going to rise to the occasion that God's called us to do. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, we see look at verse uh, Hebrews 10, verse 2. For then would they have not ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more consciousness of sin. We should have no more consciousness of sin. Glory to God. And don't let the enemy bring up some, some things in the past. And, you know, I look at back at 
some things remind me of, of certain things I've done in the past, okay? And then I get, I get down and say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. You know, it, it happened years ago, and, and oh, Lord. If we were listening, he, he'd say, I don't recall you doing anything like that at all. But see, we have that sin consciousness because the enemy will spark that, uh, that old thought in our mind or, or bring, bring a video of what we did and we're saying, oh man, you know, I really blew it, Lord. And he says, I, I don't know about it. Get off the pity horse. Let's, let's go forward. And, uh, and it's hard. At least it's hard for me to, you know, to get off the pity horse and say, well, Lord, I, I'm really sorry. But you already said you're sorry a long time ago. I don't see it. But I've got that sin conscious that's been being uh, uh, relayed by the enemy, by some, some event or seeing something that just sparks it. So, hey, you remember you did that too. Oh, I can't. I, I, what did Paul say? So I don't know the man. He's a, he knew he was a murderer of Christians and persecuted Christians. He says, I never knew the man. In other words, he didn't, he didn't pick that up. He says, that wasn't me. I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. And if we can only grab hold of such things, we'd be a lot, lot better off. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Fourth. Fourth thing we need to do. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3 this time. In 1 John chapter 3. Oh, don't tell me I did it again. 1 John chapter 3. Oh, okay. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. This is the fourth thing that we need to do to make an adjustment, make a positive adjustment. And this is his commandment. So this is a commandment that we need to understand. (laughs) That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Believe on the name of Jesus. Glory. And love one another as he has commanded us. So, um, we need to believe on his name and then love one another. Uh, overlook the other person's um, downfalls. Lift them up. Pray for them. Amen. So, it, it's his name. Going back to the book of John, chapter 14. We're going to see that one more time. Book of John, chapter 14, this time verse 13. Verse 30, Jesus is speaking. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatsoever ye shall ask, the word ask there could be rendered also demand. So whatsoever ye ask in or demand in my name, the name has authority. So what we demand in the name or the authority of Jesus, it's going to come to pass. Wow. When we use the name of Jesus, 
when we use the name of Jesus fearlessly, that means we know who we are and how, what that name represents, we need to expect things to take place. Um, Paul, Paul would cast out demons, Peter would cast out demons, but when the seven sons of Sceva came along, in the name of what Paul said, in the name of what Peter said, or the, even in the name of Jesus, but they didn't have any belief. They didn't expect anything to happen. And what happened to them? They were just, seven sons of Sceva were, were beat up by one demon. So we have to know the name, the power of that name and who we are to be able to speak it fearlessly. Um, let's go to Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Mark eleven twenty-three. we've read this a number of times. Oh, pardon me, verse 25. When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that for your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither shall your Father, which is heaven, forgive your, your trespasses. So we need to learn the, from the authority that's given to us that uh, to give, forgive means to give life. To, to forgive means to give life. Think about it. When you forgive somebody, you're giving them life. You're not imprisoning them. When you forgive, you release yourself from a prison. Number five, uh, remain in Mark 11. Look at verse 23. Verily say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which uh, he has said shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he, shall, he has said. We need to speak boldly. Back up to chapter 10 of Mark. That's Mark chapter 10. Oh boy, this one, this time I goofed up. Mark 10. I got to be closer, looking closer. Anyway, it's it's where in Mark where Jesus uh, it says, "Whosoever shall confess my name." Okay, so we need the fifth thing that we need to learn to do is speak boldly and confess. Speak boldly and confess. Uh, Romans ten. I know I got this one right. I go to it all the time, number of times. Romans chapter ten. Verses 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we need to have confession. This fifth thing that we need to speak boldly and have a confession. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 3. 
Bounce, bounce, bounce. Hebrews chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or confession. The high priest of our confession. So we need to confess. Uh, that's confessing the right things again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, back up a little bit to Ephesians 5. Nineteen, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speaking to yourself or confessing to yourself, I would say. We need to have the confession go forth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use and edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So this is confession. We need to have a confession going. Um, in the book of Proverbs, I know we're jumping around quite a bit. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. In Proverbs 8. Verse 6 and 7. Here for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and, wick and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. In other words, watch your communication. Have good, a good confession. Number 6. Return to me with the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 13. Looking at this, Hebrews 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer a sacrifice of praise continually to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, the fruit of our lips, we need to be, give thanks to him, to his name, the name of Jesus. Uh, Psalms 9 and verse 11 says, Sing praises and declare it among his people. We need to have praises. Not murmuring complaints, but praises. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Okay, Psalm 67. Look at verse 3. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. From the Amplified it says, Let the people praise, praise you. Turn away from their idols. Give thanks to you, O God. Let all the people praise thee and give you thanks. Glory to God. So we need the, the sixth thing we see. Lift up his name and praise him. Uh, Psalms 107. Psalms 107. Psalms 107, and looking at verse, verse 22. 
and let them sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with all rejoicing. So we need to just praise the Lord. Always. In Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. I was jumping around here. Jeremiah chapter 17. That's a good chapter, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, looking at verse 26, and they shall and they shall come from the cities of Judah and from the places round about Jerusalem and from the lands of Benjamin and from the plain and from the mountains and from the south and bringeth forth burnt offerings and sacrifice and meat offerings and incense and bring sacrifices of praise unto the house of the Lord. In other words, from all over we need to bring sacrifices of praise to the Lord. We need to do that. And Jeremiah chapter 33. Might as well look at this one. Jeremiah chapter 33. Glory to God. Jeremiah chapter 33, looking at verse 11. The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of all them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifices of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will cause to return the cap 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 captivity of the land as it was first, says the Lord. So the voice of praise, the voice of joy, glory to God. We need to bring it into the house of the Lord. You can say bring, the, bring it to the house of the Lord, murmurs and complaining, uh, crying, no, voice of joy. And then the seventh thing, James chapter 1. Here's a hard one to do. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into temptations. Count it all joy. In verse 3 said, goes on and says, Knowing that this is the trying of your faith, worketh patience. So we need to count it all joy. Know when we have joy or counting things joy, it will work Patience. I'm just going to read these other ones out. Um, in Habakkuk, chapter 3, that's which writes before the Z section of your uh, Old Testament. Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the Lord of, joy in the Lord of my salvation. Matthew 5 and 12 says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Wow, I mean, when there's hard times, we need to still rejoice. Uh, 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13. Rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of the inheritance. We need to rejoice. Even when things are going bad, we need to rejoice because we know we are partakers. And the eighth thing that we need to do is found in 1 Peter chapter 5. 
That's First Peter chapter 5, and we close with this one. First Peter chapter 5, looking at verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that you may, exalt, you may be exalted in due time. Verse 7 is, what, uh, is the key one. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. We need to continually confess that you do not have a care upon you. Or I do not have a care. That's what it tells us to do. Cast it upon him, that means I don't have a care. So those are eight points that we should make an adjustment to secure our walk with the Lord. Close. Let's all stand. They're already running out out there. <laughs> Two more days, and we're halfway through the year. Doesn't seem like it's possible, but it is. Father, we're praising you. We just give you thanks, Lord, that uh, your word is true, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, we will employ, Father God, some of these uh, attributes, Father God, that... Uh, will help us, Father God, to have a closer walk with you. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks, Lord, that uh, we will be obedient, Father God, to that which you've called us to do. And give us each a good night's rest for tomorrow's endeavors, and that we may, Father God, be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.